Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, I'd like to say good morning again. Welcome to the firehouse. Thanks for joining us here. I'll try good morning again, see if I get a response. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Firehouse Church. Thanks for making the cho- choice to be with us here this morning. Um, we are going to be starting a new series, a three-part series. that's called Lessons from the Mighty Man of David. And uh, I think hopefully we'll find some things that apply to each one of us. There were some... Uh, some different people that I know are traveling today, uh, a handful of them are, are some of the single women in the church here, and so I was just giving them a hard time that maybe lessons for the mighty men of David weren't resonating with all the women in the church. I don't know, but hopefully we can all apply some of these things we're going to be talking about this morning here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to take a look at some examples here from, from the mighty men of David. So let's, let's just uh, speak out again here to speak to us. Our Heavenly Father, we do just look to you this morning. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to have a soft and a teachable heart to hear from you. God, I pray that you would help us to extract some of the the truth and some of the lessons from these, uh, in some ways, ancient examples and and be able to apply those truths to our lives today. God, I pray that you would work in each one of us, make us mighty men and women of God that, that can advance your kingdom. God, I pray you would fill the firehouse church full of men and women like that. And we just thank you that you have had these examples recorded for us to be encouraged by, to be challenged by, and to learn from. We pray that you would bring that about this morning. We just pray for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, um, let's see here. If you guys would, we're going to be looking at, uh, there's two passages that contain uh, the mighty men of David. And the two of them, you know, each... Each one of them has some unique things, but together they kind of have the full picture. But we're going to be looking primarily at the Second Samuel chapter 23. So if you have a Bible with you, Second Samuel 23, if you have one of these house Bibles in the chair in front of you or under your seat, it's page 321. 321 here, Second Samuel 23, the, the parallel passage uh, that relates to the mighty men of David. We'll look at that at one point, but that's going to be... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So, um, but we're going to start off right here. And today we're really going to look at, uh, primarily we're going to look at, what's that? Okay. Jeremy told me not to talk here. I think that no more they're done. We're working on a PowerPoint, but that's all right. We'll, we'll keep uh, plugging away here. Um, you know, there's four, four of the mighty men we're going to look at this morning here, and then uh, we're going to continue in two more weeks on this series as well here. So, um, if, uh, let's see. So it starts Second Samuel 23 and verse 8 is uh, the first one here. And so um, I thought instead of reading the whole section and coming back to each one, we're just going to read, read a section about one of them and draw out some points and then move on and just kind of go one, one character at a time here. And the first one is verse 8 here. Just one verse. And we're going to take a look at that here. So verse 8. And it's again entitled David's Mighty Men for this passage here. So these are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb Bathsheba, a Tuchmenonite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. So that's all we've got to go on on this first guy here. I'm just going to call him Josheb 
because of his last name or middle name is kind of hard to do. Um, Joseph was listed here as the chief. So really the, the first three are called the three, capital T on the three, and he was the chief of the three. And as I was looking at this, uh, this passage studying for this teaching, I was trying to figure out, you know, Lord, what in the world do we extract about Joseph here? What, why do you have him here in this list? Why do you have him first? And, and I was just trying to think through um, some, of, some of what this guy might have been like. You know, it says he raised his spear against 800 men and he killed in one encounter. Can you imagine that? Can, I have a hard time. Obviously, we're, we're not in a day and age of spears and swords, and um, you know we don't really have a, a way to compare. But I was just trying to think. Um, can you imagine just doing 800 of anything? You know, um, imagine 800 push-ups. You know, how long would it take you to do 800 push-ups? A long time for most of us, yeah. For most of us, mostly it would take a long time. For me, it would take a really long time. Um, but 800 of anything, I don't know what, how much strength and effort it takes to kill someone with a spear, but I know one push-up was probably not the equivalent of killing someone with a spear. But this guy, in one battle, in one counter, encounter, took out 800 people. Um, that's, that's kind of a big deal. You know, and, and it wasn't like... Um, you know, it wasn't like they were just like, okay, let's, hey, you guys get in the line here. Come at me one at a time. I'm going to kill you, okay? And just scoot out of the way after I kill you, right? Um, it was 800 people that were trying to take him out, take him down, take his life. And he had a spear, and he was killing these guys that are trying to kill him. And, and I, I just don't even know, uh, recently as I was thinking through these guys, the, the only image that I, I could come up with at all is recently I got to watch... Uh, some of you have seen the movie 300. Have you seen that? There's, it's a great, great uh, battle scenes there, parts to fast forward through as well. Um, but recently, um, Sunday afternoons in, in my family, the tradition is we go home and I try to get my wife a, a really good nap. You know, um, she, she uh, has a time, you know, she's obviously working hard throughout the whole week, but I try to just carve out this time where I go, honey, go upstairs, disappear. We don't want to see you until you've napped for a really long time. I'll do battle with the kids here. I mean, I'll watch the kids. Um, and, but usually I'll lay on the couch and football season, works out well to watch the Broncos basketball there's good games recently there's not a lot of sporting activities going on that, that resonate with me but occasionally flipping through the basic channels I have in Comcast I came across the movie 300 you know the only catch is that I'm watching 300 in Spanish you know it's, uh, um, I don't speak Spanish very well but I get the hang of the but you know there's different scenes there where these guys are fighting with their shields and their spears and they're just left and right and taking people out and I just can you even imagine killing 800 of your enemies at one time. It just blows me away. You know, and I was trying to think, God, why, why this guy? Why Joseph? Why is he at the front of the list here? You know, and I think it's because the example that he gave, there's no one else in the mighty men of David who even come close to killing 800 men in one encounter. Some of them might get 200 or 300. He is leaps and bounds beyond anyone else. And God, the Holy Spirit, as He was having the mighty men of David recorded, God had it that He would place Joseph at the front of the list. And I think one of the lessons that we can draw out of it is that Joseph was, a, he was an example of courageous leadership. He was an example of courageous leadership. And he, he was an example to follow. No one else 
surpass his exploits for God, for, for the kingdom of David in this case. There was no one else greater than him, and God had him placed at the top of the list. And, and I think there's things we can learn from that. You know, really, leadership, um, I've heard some different phrases, different jingles. Uh, leaders, you might have heard this before, leaders lead. Very complicated, but leaders lead out. They're an example to follow. Um, and, and he was a warrior, a mighty warrior, and he was an example to follow. And But sometimes, um, you know, how do we translate that into, this is a leader in, in the kingdom of David. But what is it like to be a leader, courageous leadership in the kingdom of God? Well, I would, I would suggest each one of us, you know, that's really, I think the, the action step to each one of us is to be, well, we need to know that God honors courageous leadership. He put Joseph at the front of the list. He, he honored his example to everyone else around him. But our action step is that we need to be courageous examples um, for others to follow in the kingdom of God. You know, and with the spirit, there might be a few of you out here. I think of some of you military types. You know, I think Bobby over there and maybe Luke. They say, "Yeah, give me a spear. I'll see what I can do." Or give me, you know, give me a weapon. We'll see. But um, when it comes to being a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. Um, you know, really, you need to be a courageous leadership, courageous example in the things of God. Not just killing people, not just stabbing and slinging guys around them, but in the things of God. Things like, are, are you leading out in evangelism, sharing your faith? Are you leading out in your time alone with God and in God's Word and sharing God's Word to encourage others? Want to be mighty in the kingdom of God? Are you leading out in your prayer life? You know, I'm blessed that we have a congregation of men and women who love to pray. Uh, we went to the National Pastors Conference this year, and we took a van full of us, a seven-passenger minivan with seven of us. We had sweet fellowship on the way out and back. But, um, but while we were there, there was a time where all the pastors and leaders came together and prayed. And almost all of our seven prayed before many of the men that were there. And I'm just so blessed by the courageous prayer warriors we have here. But you know, sometimes when you pray out loud in the front of a group of people, there's a little bit like, oh wow, you get a little attention. Hey, he prayed and he prayed. And But are you leading out in your prayer, your private prayer life? Are you doing things there that are examples to, for others to follow? In your household, in your, in your marriage, in your small group? We want to be courageous examples to follow. What about examples of, of serving? of leading out, you get there first and you leave last, or examples of purity. You know, maybe you're bold and courageous in a lot of things, but how's your, your thought life going and your moral purity and your heart? How's your openness and your accountability? How are you doing in leading out and saying, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? This is how you become a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. And, and I know God is, is looking for some more modern-day Joshebs some more modern-day brave hearts to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And my hope is that each one of us would become that. When I was thinking of people in our association of churches, that God, who, who might God put at the front of that list? You know, and, and that's really not for me to say, but if I were to say, one of the guys that comes to mind, there's a, a man, I just got an email about his life recently, and he... Um, He's been a part of helping the gospel get into uh, to go out in the Dominican Republic. 
He's been working with some guys out of Miami and out of the University of Florida. And they, this summer, had a program there um, in the city, I think, Santo Domingo. But the university only has 100,000 students there. But they were part of uh, getting to use the English facilities there on that university for sharing, uh, well, for teaching English using the Bible, using the gospel. And one of the guys that is spearheading that whole thing is, uh, I just asked when I heard the, the email, I replied, he said, how old is Herschel nowadays anyways? And he's 85 years old. And he's actively getting the gospel out in other countries. I believe at one point um, I heard that he had shared the gospel and shared God's word in over 80 countries, 80 different countries. And, and he's still going strong. You know, we joke, Herschel's retirement plan, he doesn't have a retirement plan, it's the rapture. Whenever that happens, they retire, you know. And, and, but you know what, I just want to let you know, that's the type of mighty men and women that we are running with. And I want to be like Herschel. I want to be 85 years old and trying to figure out how to get across the Gulf of Mexico down there to the Dominican Republic and share the gospel. And we have men and women like that in our association of churches. But I just encourage you, are you a Inspiring to courageous leadership in the kingdom of God. And now sometimes if you think of leadership, you know, you might think, yeah, I'm a natural born leader. Some of you might be more, you know, I think when it comes to, sometimes you need to kick some people in the pants to lead out. And other people, they're chomping at the bit to go and they also need some adjustments as well. We're going to look real quick at another example of of initiative, of leadership, of ambition, but not an example that they got honored. And if you guys would turn with me to a, the, the passage in Chronicles here, First Chronicles 11. There's another guy that's mentioned, mighty in initiative, ambitious. Um, and he was the leader of David's army. Anyone know his name? Joab. Joab was the leader of David's army. We'll look at him real quick here in... Um, First Chronicles, it's page 404. We're going to look here, then we'll flip back again. But Joab was, um, it says this, First Chronicles 11.4. David and all the Israelites marched to Jerusalem, that is Jebus. The Jebusites who lived there said to David, you will not get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. David had said, whoever leads the attack on the Jebusites will become commander-in-chief. Joab, son of Zariah, went up first, so he received the command. And Joab was the leader and the commander of David's armies from there on out for a long time. And Joab was a man of initiative. David said, hey, any of you who will dare attack this city, you're going to get the commander-in-chief, the head of the army here. And he did. But you know what else stands out? Joab is not mentioned anywhere in the list of David's mighty men. He's not in the list. This is something that he did, and this is before it talks about those who were recorded as David's mighty men. As a matter of fact, Joab had times where he turned his back and led an army against David with Absalom to kill him. And he's not in the list at all, but he was a man. Sometimes we can think, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a natural born leader. I'm driven. I'm ambitious. I'm outgoing for God. Joab was outgoing. Joab was ambitious. And he was a man of poor character. Just because we're driven doesn't mean we're going to be mighty in the kingdom of God. We have to watch out for that, that trap that Joab found. Sometimes we can think leadership means I'm just bossy. I'm pushy. I tell others what to do and I don't feel bad about it. Well, Joab might have been like that, but no one in the kingdom of God um, is going to be honored for doing that. And Joab was not. But, just look back with me here to our, our next guy we're going to talk about here. Um, 
And he is, uh, we're going to skip a few verses to get to him because he's not the next in line. Um, but we're going to skip down to 2 Samuel 23.18. And we're going to read about this guy real quick here. We're going to read about this guy right here. His name is Abishai. In verse 18 it says, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed. And so became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Abishai was the brother of Joab. Abishai is in the list of David's mighty men. Now, the, the first three guys in the list are the ones we're talking about, but I wanted to talk about Abishai for a second here because Abishai, it said he was as famous as the other warriors. He killed 300 in battle. That would still be a big feat. There was not uh, others that kind of had that same accomplishment. And it even says that he was held in greater honor than the first three. It's like he wasn't included in the three, but he was honored even more than the three. He eventually became the commander of the top three. You know, it's a pretty big deal here. Um, but, but you know, uh, he, he wasn't the leader of the entire army. He didn't... Uh, it seems like he was a courageous warrior here, but he wasn't doing it for himself. Here. You know, I think Abishai was an example of courageous humility. Courageous humility. He was humble. He was not even included in the top three, and yet it didn't affect his loyalties. It didn't affect his courage. He was a great example of, of not being recognized and yet being all that he could be. And I think sometimes we have to watch out for that. You know, I've been a part of a Christian leadership for 15 years now. And along the way, from being just a small group leader to becoming a pastor and different things, I've seen a lot of people and uh, ambitious leaders come along. And occasionally, occasionally you'll bump into someone who's outgoing for God. They want to lead a Bible study. They want to do all these great things. And if they don't get what they want... You know, it's almost like this childish response. It's kind of like, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. I don't get to lead in your church. Fine. I'm going to go play somewhere else, you know. And as silly as that sounds, that happens time and time again in Christian leadership circles. I'm not included in the leadership. I'm going to go somewhere else. And the scary thing is, some of those people with that attitude and those temper tantrums, they actually show up in other places. And very quickly after, they're like, oh, hey, I'm a pastor at another church now. And, I, and I've heard several stories like that recently. I'm just like, whoa. Uh, you know, we don't do that around here. We're about courageous humility. And sometimes you get recognized. And sometimes you're included in the top three. And sometimes you're not. But the point is, if you're going to be mighty in the kingdom of God, you need to give your all all the time. Whether you're recognized or whether you're not. And I just want to encourage you guys. You know, sometimes uh, there's, there's people in here that you, you're, um, you've got great skills and talents that aren't getting fully used right now. And yet... You're still plugging away. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's a great example. And Abishai was an example like that. Courageous humility. Um, and it said that he was honored in the eyes of others. Others said, you know, this guy's even better than those three. We have to be careful about honoring ourselves. Hey, hey, I know I'm better than those three. They're just going to have to figure that out sooner or later, you know. Uh, I think of Proverbs 26:12. The whole chapter of Proverbs 26 goes 11 verses in a row about the warnings about being a fool. If you do this, it's foolish. Don't do this, it's foolish. Don't do this. 11 warnings in a row. And number 12 says, Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's even more hope for a fool. And we just talked against foolishness for 11 verses. 
Make sure you're not... Joab was wise in his own eyes. Joab thought his own glory, his own... He was initiating for himself. Eventually David's like, this guy needs to be replaced. You know what happened to some of the guys that tried to replace him? Joab got angry and he killed them. He killed several people who were to be his replacement. How do you respond when you don't get the recognition you think you deserve? Well, Abishai was a man of courageous leadership that we could all learn from. We need to be examples of courageous leadership as we do the things of God. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for that here. Um, The next guy we're going to look at is um, Eleazar. We're going back to that list of the top three. Starts off with Joseph. Abishai was a a detour here, um, but he's in the list. But the next one, in the order of the, the first, the mighty the, the three, is uh, Eleazar. And it says this, verse 9, 2 Samuel 23, verse 9. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahohite. These are some fun tongue twisters here. Um, As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasdaman for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck, struck down Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Eleazar is this awesome example. You know, I, I was trying to imagine, I love how it says here, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasadaman. You know, how do you taunt? How do warriors taunt, you know? Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you can't kill me. Um, eventually they taunted him. They got under the skin. Whatever you do to taunt the Philistines. And they attacked. And then people were like, oh my gosh, I picked a bigger fight than I can bite off here, you know. And they retreated and they fled. Except for Eleazar. He stayed right there with David. And he was striking people down until he could not let go of his sword. You ever had that happen to you? It's, it's a painful thing. I've never had that happen either, you know. Um, but I imagine that would just be crazy. You know, your hand is glued to your sword because it's so tired you can't even let go. And that's what Eleazar was like. And, um, you know, he, he was an example of, uh, of courageous loyalty. He stuck by David when others retreated. He stood there and fought these guys off for his master David. Um, and, you know, I've got a question for you. Um, why do do you know any of the names of the people who retreated from the battle that day at Pasdaman? Do you know the names of any of those guys who retreated? Anyone? No, I say no because I don't know. If you know, tell me. Um, but why don't we know the names of any of those guys? God is not. You're exactly right. God honors courageous loyalty. God honored the guy that stuck around. The guy that stuck next to David and fought the fight until he couldn't let go of the sword. God honors courageous loyalty. You know, I remember a time of Jesus at John chapter 6. It said he was sharing these challenging and hard teachings in the classic verse, John 6, 66. It said some of Jesus' disciples, they left him. Do you know the names of those disciples? No, neither do we. Nobody does. What are the names of the disciples we know? The ones who stuck with Jesus. The ones who were there uh, when hard times came. God honors courageous loyalty. We need to be men and women of 
making commitments of courageous loyalty. Again, I want to let you know we're a part of churches here that... Um, you know, when I first showed up in a church, I was just kind of like a lone ranger. It was kind of like, you know, I'll pick and choose. I shop around. I go to the churches I like. I check out the... Back then, I didn't fully understand being a disciple following Christ. It was kind of like I'd look around and be like, what's the band like? Uh, how many single Christian women are here? What's, uh, what's going on here, you know? And I'd evaluate it by my standards. And um, But eventually, I heard this, you know, the gospel about Jesus Christ and what He had done for me. And eventually, I started spending time with some of the people in the church and I realized they weren't just kind of willy-nilly come and go as the, uh, the winds of the economy or the winds of this and that swayed them all over the, the planet. There were men and women who were committed to one another. They were courageously loyal to one another. They would even do things like take jobs, even with lesser pay, to be with the people they wanted to be with. You know, I've heard the phrase before, but the men and women that are a part of our Great Commission churches, they, they don't let their vocation determine their location. You know, that's a common thing. Hey, whatever you want to do, whatever is the greatest career path, follow your dreams. Find a church later. You know, we're a part of a group of men and women that are like, I want to build God's kingdom together with these people and I'm going to make courageously loyal choices to bring that apart. And you're, you're sitting in a room full of men and women here that have an uncommon courage and an uncommon loyalty. Not only to God, everyone says, every Christian says I'm loyal to God, but are you loyal to the people sitting next to you? There's people in this room that have had a lot of other opportunities. You know, I think about when we were first planting this church, uh, I think Greg and Christine, you know, Greg was going through his grad school for architecture. I remember visiting him out in their married student housing there in, uh, in Seattle. And you, you think Denver's the only city where they do architecture? You know, I think there's other options out there. I think Greg would be recruited for a lot of other options, a lot of other churches. But Greg and Christine have made a, a strategic, courageous choice to be loyal to this group of people and this association of churches. And, you know, the list goes on and on. I think of Jeff and Brad when they first came to town. Computer jobs, they, can get a, they could have worked in a lot of places. Um, but they chose to work here to be with, with us, to be with you and I. Um, there's a number of people that I, that I know have made decisions that they could have been a lot of different places, but we're a part of men and women who are courageously loyal. You know, I think of a, there's a proverb that talks about 20, Proverbs 20, verse 6. It says, um, Many a man claims unfailing love, but who can find one who's faithful? Other translations say, Many claim to be loyal and loving, but who really sticks around? Who's really reliable in that? I want to let you know there's a bunch of men and women around here. I think of the, the Myers are doing Sunday school here this morning, but there was a time where Patrick lost his job and was trying to figure out where to work. And, you know, he ended up taking a job as a milkman, a delivery man, working through the night so that he could continue to lock and load with this church. And God eventually, after many long hours and running through the night there, God has given him uh, a job that was in his field again. But he made a choice because he wanted to fight the fight with people like you and I. And uh, I just encourage you, if you hang around, if you get to know some of the people you're sitting there, you know, you might watch out. It could be contagious. You might find yourself going, you know, boy, I was thinking about doing my own Lone Ranger thing again, starting from scratch with a church family. 
But you might find yourself making choices to stick together and advance the kingdom of God together. There's a room full of people here like that. I, I, I could go on and on talking about it. I'm thinking about Ned and the Irwins coming back from Amsterdam. There's a lot of places they could have landed. They chose to be here with us. Ned could probably be a coffee expert in Ethiopia right now making his own empire. He's chosen to be here with you and I and help us improve on our Dunkin' Donuts coffee a little bit here, you know? Um, but I encourage you, think about making that commitment. Hang around, check out the love and the loyalty that people have and see if you might not make that choice at some point in your life here, maybe sooner than later. But anyway, Eliezer was recognized for his courageous loyalty and I think God will track that in your life and mine as well here. Um, the last guy we're going to look at here is Shamar. Shamar is... Uh, you know, I think the unfortunate thing about these mighty men is there's not a lot of these names you want to duplicate in your family, right? I just go, wow, honey, can we name a kid uh, Eleazar? No, I already tried to propose some of these names here. She's not buying it. But anyways, let's talk about Shamar. Shema, Shema, not Shamar. It's Shema. I spelled it wrong. Um, verse 11 talks about him. It says, next to him, kind of the third in the order here, um, next to him was Shema, son of Aji, the uh, Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. So Shema took a stand in this field of lentils here. Um, you know, um, I don't know. Why do you think he took a stand in the middle of a field of lentils? There's not a lot of options, but one option is maybe he really liked lentils, right? How many of you have got your favorite food? You know, think about uh, maybe Brad would take a stand in a field of bacon. If you could do something like that, he would maybe take a stand there. Dad would fight for some coffee beans maybe. Some of you might have a favorite food. I'm pretty sure Shema did not take a stand in the middle of a field of lentils because he really loved lentils. Why, why do you think he did it? Well, I know for one, it was a, I believe it was an exa- uh, example of strategic courage. It wasn't an accident he took a stand in the middle of a field like that. A field full of lentils would have been a source of fuel, a source of food for the fighting armies. Two options. Their army has the field to fuel their troops. My army has the field to fuel the troops. Shema, everyone else abandoned him. They jumped ship and he's fighting and he's like, you know, I'm going to make a stand in the middle of this field. And sure enough, he defended it. And I believe, you know, I could be wrong on this, but I believe that he was doing it for the sake of his fellow troops so that they would have a food supply that that wouldn't fall into the enemy's hands. And we'll find out in heaven for sure, but I believe it was a, he took a strategic stand. You know, and that's a great example to us. We need to make strategic and faith-filled stands for Christ and for our Christian brothers and sisters here. Um, and maybe there's things you can do. Take a stand for Christ in your workplace. Make a stand for your brothers and sisters. If there's, you know, sometimes when God gets moving and people get saved and new disciples are made, sometimes they say, you know, the first one to wake up during a revival is the devil. You know, and God brings momentum to the church and He continues it. You know who's going to get fired up? The devil. And He's going to bring... All he's got, he's going to bring his accusations, his lies, his slander. And, and you might be put in a situation where you've got to decide, am I going to take a stand for my brothers and sisters in Christ or not? Am I going to let them be slandered? Am I going to, let, am I going to abandon the field to the devil? Um, 
And, you know, I think about a time in my life where I had to take a stand for my brothers and sisters. And um, back when I was a pastor in Fort Collins, I became a pastor back in 2000. And I was largely responsible for, um, uh, together with another pastor, for the campus ministry called The Rock. Any of you heard of The Rock before? Yeah. Uh, we just had The Rock 15-year reunion uh, last week there. But I remember a time where two of us were pastoring The, the Rock, and it, we sent a team out to Amsterdam. You know, and Ned and Erwin, some of them were on that team. But this, this, my co-pastor helped lead that team to Amsterdam. So eventually it was me pastoring The Rock, and I worked together with my co-pastors with the rest of the community church, John Meyer, Mitch, some of these other guys. But at one point... Um, it just seemed like there was this crossroads for the rock. And in other rocks, like in Minneapolis, there's a rock church up there. And they started off kind of as a young campus, working singles ministry. But they eventually decided, you know what? We're, well, these young singles are like falling in love and getting married. And we either got to kick them out or we got to start taking care of married couples. And they started getting crazy and having kids. And they decided, you know, they're going to they're gonna do the whole church. And, and the, the, temp, you know, the test came before us. Hey, look, the rock is growing. There was times where the rock was uh, beyond 400 people in attendance on the weekends there. And, and then when we sent the team to Amsterdam, it sized down a bit, but there was still a large group of people. And it was kind of this question in the air. Hey, shouldn't we break off and become our own thing? Some of you churches, an old community church, kind of all these people that uh, they don't understand the culture, they don't understand how to worship God like we do. And there was these, these voices. And I remember just in the mix of it all, meeting with some guys, and we were praying and seeking God. And there was a number that the more we prayed, the more they thought we should become our own thing, cut ties, cut finances, and start our own thing. And, and I remember the more I prayed about it, the more I thought, you know what? I want to unite more and more with these guys in the community church with the wisdom and the experience that they have. I want my life to be like theirs. It's hard to become like them if I'm doing my own thing. And eventually we, we decided, you know what, we're going to not, these, these paths aren't going to diverge, they're going to converge. And we're going to become one church and the rock is again, again going to be like the campus ministry of the church and the, and the young single ministry. And, and we just decided that they, there was going to be no competition there. And I remember planting a flag related to that. And, and you know what happened? A number of people, especially in the working single segment of the church, a number of them left the church. And they were like, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. And there was a lot of temptation and there was a lot of uh, conversation and accusation. But I just remember, you know, I'm going to plant a flag with these guys. And I was so blessed. You know, that was probably nine, going on ten years ago that we worked through all that. I was so blessed to be at the Rock Reunion last weekend. 15 years of being united and seeing the glorious things that God has done and reaching the lost and making disciples. And I just think had, had I not made a stand in, in the capacity that I could, I think things could have been very different there. But I encourage you to, to watch for ways you can make a stand for Christ and for your brothers and sisters in Christ here. And um, I think that will help you in being mighty in the kingdom of God here. And so... Um, these are the four examples here. Again, a quick review. Joseph, example of courageous leadership. We've got to know that God honors that courageous leadership. I encourage you to step it up. But God also honors, like Abishai, courageous humility. And if you're leading out, it's great to lead out in the things of God. And, and be humble, too. Eleazar was an example of courageous loyalty. An example to us all. We're a part of men and women who are have an uncommon and courageous loyalty. I encourage you to... Think about casting your lot in with us.
as we build the kingdom of God. And lastly here, Shema is an example of strategic courage. Make strategic stands um, to advance the kingdom of God here. And you know, and ultimately, these are four great examples from the Old Testament that we can all learn from. But, you know, there's another example that's, that's obviously better than them all. Many of you would know that. The example is the example of courageous... Um, well, just the mighty man of God of who Jesus was. There was no one who was more mighty in the kingdom of God than Jesus. He gave us an example of leadership. He led out in figuring out a way to save sinners like you and me. He led out. He left heaven and all the glory and all the sin freeness, worship, everything that was there, the unity, and he came into this broken world where people they don't like God, much less His Son. They ended up killing him. But he was an example of courageous leadership and an example we can all follow. And he was humble. There was no one more humble. He's the God of all the universe, and yet he took on flesh and blood. And, and you know, um, things like it being all places at all times, he took on a body that's limited to, hey, he walked around Jerusalem and Galilee and different places. And he did that, why? To make a way to save you and I. And he's the greatest example of courageous humility that we'll ever see. And what about loyalty? There's no one who's been more loyal to the Father than Jesus. And He was an example of courageous loyalty. And not only just for the Father, He did what He did for you and I. You know, it said He showed us how to love. And just as He laid down His life out of loyal love, He wants us to lay down our lives for one another. You know, lastly, as far as a strategic stand. You know, Jesus didn't stand in a field anywhere. He took a stand on a hill. And he was nailed to a cross when he made his stand. And he did that strategic stand as a part of God's plan to again save you and I and anyone who would look to him for forgiveness. And he's the, the ultimate example of being mighty for God. And I think the more and more we would become like him, the more useful and mighty in the kingdom of God you and I could become. And my prayer is that each one of us would step it up in being a mighty warriors for God and that God would do awesome things with a church full of us doing all these things for God's glory together. And I, I, ask, I urge you to, to pray about joining in, jumping in, growing in these areas, seeking help to grow in these and let's see what God might do with us for His glory. Let's pray. The Lord Jesus, we just praise You. You are our King. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, we want to be mighty men and women of Yours. Not mighty just in our own eyes, mighty in Your eyes. When You give praise, when You let us share in glory, God, we, we want to be humbled in our eyes and exalted. You say You exalt the humble. God, we want to be humble warriors for You. God, I pray You'd help us to lead out in the things of God. We can lead out in all sorts of things in our lives, but help us to lead out in the things that are on Your heart things that would build your kingdom. Help us to be humble as we do it. Help us to be loyal to one another and to you. And God, help us just have the the courage and the faith that we need to make stands for you as we try to reach the world with Christ. God, I just pray you bless us, bless each one of us, bless all the the churches that we're a part of. I know we've got visitors here. God, I pray you bless all our churches in in this Great Commission Association. Bless um, our brothers and sisters in other churches, Lord, that just pray that uh, they would be committed to one another and to you. And, and to reach in the world with Christ also. But we just pray all these things. We pray you help us in each of these areas. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you guys for joining us this morning. And uh, 
we'll, we'll hope to catch you in small groups this week, or we'll see you right back here uh, next Sunday morning. But thanks again.